Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode is brought to you by alienware during dell tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech new dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the alienware m18 laptop powered by an intel core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals liquid cooling three-dimensional audio with dolby atmos and impressive overclocking potential your dream setup amazing prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. A quick check-in. I think this is the first time uh, any of us have spoken today, or at least Matt, you and Noel. It's the first time I've spoken with you. Paul and I go way back today. Uh, How's it going, guys? It's going really well. Having all kinds of interesting phone calls with people that I've never met until today. So this is just a day of new things. Really? Anything uh, to write home about? Not yet. No. Oh, I see. Very cryptic, Matt. I like it. I'm intrigued. I, too, have had some unusual uh, phone calls with people that I have, have never met and may never meet. Who knows if I'll ever even leave my house again? <laughs> but uh, I'd like to think that there is a future where I will be able to get on an airplane one, once again, because that's fun. It's fun to go other places. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm actually doing some uh, I'm doing some runs later today uh, to, you know, if people are immunocompromised, it's a tremendously bad idea for them to leave their house, even if they're in an area like Georgia where the local leadership is attempting to open up various businesses and institutions. So I'm going to go do some no-contact drop-offs. Uh, if you are immunocompromised, please, please, please still don't go outside, even if everything else is open. It's just not worth it. Yeah, a guy I know in Brooklyn um, who got COVID-19, it was a mild case, but he just got the uh, go-ahead from his doctor to, to leave the house, and he put, it was his birthday today, actually, yeah, so happy birthday. Uh, I'm not going to say his name, because he may not want to people to know that he had the thing, um, but happy birthday to you, my friend, um, and really glad to see you getting out, and he had he had a mask on, was keeping it super safe, but um, yeah, it's got to be tough, you know, just like having that level of uh, isolation, especially if someone lives by themselves. And speaking of crises, 
uh, it's safe to say that our current financial system, like many individuals in the world today, is in a state of crisis. This is yet another crisis for the financial system, by the way. I think by the time people reach the age of, let's say, I don't know, arbitrarily 18, they've already experienced several huge behemoths of financial crisis. But individuals in countries around the world right now are being told to shore up their finances, and they're being chastised for uh, quote-unquote poor financial planning, while at the same time, billion-dollar corporations are getting bailed out left, right, over and under. Some people would call this the way of the world. Some would call it a series of conspiracies, yet the world of finance and conspiracy, they're, they're inextricably intertwined. You know, you could even say the concept of money itself is a conspiracy. As a matter of fact, we have said that on previous episodes, uh, and I stick to my guns on that one. Banks have been accused of uh, multitudes of financial crimes, many conspiracies, and even at times assisting with things like government overthrows or coup d'etats. This is not to say that all banks are all bad, right? For now, they are a necessity. Billions and billions of people rely on banks in some way, and in turn, those banks rely on those billions of customers. That's the official story. If this were a mural or a portrait, that's the background. That's where that's happening. But there's more to the episode, of course. And to, to, to get you to the point of today's episode, we have to first briefly explain how banks work. It sounds super simple, but there are, there are a few misconceptions we need to bust. And there's some things that we'll discuss that might surprise you. But don't take our word for it. Here are the facts. Yes, the bank itself, the institution, the thing that we all rely on, really is one big trust fall. A bank is really only a thing, an idea, a concept that works as long as everyone believes it does what it does, right? It's a lot like currency in general. If you don't believe that thing in your pocket, perhaps, or laying in a drawer somewhere, that weird paper-like substance that has some images on it, if you don't believe that thing is worth what it's worth, then it isn't a thing. Yeah, it's like fairies. Like, if you don't believe in Tinkerbell, then she dies, you know? <laughs> kind of, yes. So let's talk about what we uh, all believe a bank is and does. Officially, it's a, quote, institution that deals in money and it substitutes and provides other financial services. So really think about it this way. Banks take in deposits, money, and then they loan out money and derive a profit from the difference in, in, in the interest rates that are paid and charged respectively. So uh, when you think about that, like how much money they can make by lending money, money out and then charging interest on that money they're lending. But the big thing here to remember is that in order to have money to lend out, they have to be taking money in. Uh, but make no mistake, I mean, the bank isn't really built for you. I mean, it's it's a it's a business. It's designed to make money uh, for the shareholders. Um, so its primary function really isn't to be some sort of, you know, safe haven for your money. That's almost like an afterthought. You're really just feeding the machine with your money and then they're investing it as they see fit, essentially. That's an oversimplified view of it. But yeah, you deposit money. When you do, your money goes into this massive pool of, along with everybody else's money. And then your account is credited with the amount of your deposit. So you're able to draw on that account to pay bills and write checks, etc. Who still writes checks? I had to get a single check the other day because I had to pay off my car and I had to go to the bank to get one check. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, but yeah, that amount's then deducted from your account balance. And you can, you know, theoretically earn interest on that balance. Uh, and that can actually be added back to your account. This is all kind of 101 banking basics here. Yeah, I called it day one stuff uh, because that's the primary misconception that I want to bust here. The primary function of a bank is not you as an individual customer. And although it may sound basic, it may sound like day one stuff, it is a huge misconception that is very distressingly common. The bank's primary purpose, as far as you are concerned, is just to take money from you, whether that's money you deposit, whether that's money that you pay on a loan in principle or an in interest where banks you know want to make more uh, more revenue that's what that's what you are you know that's what you are and 
you can, we've talked about this in previous episodes. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about the nuts and bolts of this, the banking system, especially here in the U.S., do check out our earlier explorations of the Fed, the Federal Reserve, for more details. That's the gist. Uh, the amount of interest that you get on your checking account or your savings account, in the big picture, it's peanuts. It's better than nothing, but it's peanuts. Bank customers matter the absolute most when we take out loans and pay interest on those, or in a panic situation, in a worst case scenario for a bank, when every customer of a bank wants their money back in cash all at once, because Uh you see the, yeah, you see the banks won't have it. They just won't have it. I mean, it's essentially a, I mean, (laughs) like not to be too reductionist about it, but it reminds me of a Ponzi scheme. The whole thing is like a paying Peter to robbing from Peter to pay Paul scenario, although it's all under the guise of being legitimate. I mean, if you go back and say, I want my money, shouldn't you be able to get your money? But if everyone does it at the same time, then it's not going to work out. And yet we trust in this system because it's somehow backed by some kind of promise by the government or the FDIC or what have you. Yeah, and that's what's happening in Russia right now as we record this, which is uh, just just for a peek behind the curtain, uh, right at the very end of April 2020. So, and, and this can happen again in countries around the world. This happened in the U.S. as well. So you might be asking yourself, rightly, okay, guys, if this is all true, and we assure you it is, then why am I, as an individual checking account holder, important at all? Right. If I don't have a loan, if I don't have a mortgage, why, why do I matter? Well, there are two reasons. First, as we established earlier, banks are using your money, specifically your money, sometimes even if you're not working with the bank, which is weird, but true. And second, and this is just basic sales psychology, once people choose a bank, they tend to stick with that bank. So if you're the average person with a checking account at one bank, you are far, far more likely to have a credit card account with them, a savings account, or a loan with them as well. And these accounts all have differing terms. And depending on a ton of mitigating factors, one person may have a much better deal than another, right? Some people have uh, credit cards with maybe, what, like 9% interest, and other people have credit cards with like 25.99% interest. There's a lot in play. And we should add a customer with a line of credit and a line of savings. From the bank's perspective, you are far more profitable than an ordinary Jenny or Jack who just has a checking account. Yeah, it's true. And it's also people often are a little bit lazy and and they might not shop around for a better rate or, you know, they might get that zero interest, you know, introductory deal and then forget to pay it off when the rate gets jacked up to like 20 percent or some ungodly amount. And honestly, I'm not to that degree, but I'm one of those in terms of laziness. I have had a bank account. Um, that has changed hands like three times throughout the course of my uh, my financial life. And I've just kind of stuck with whatever it ended up being, um, you know, just because I, it's a pain in the butt to like close your bank account and start over and redo all your cards and all that stuff. And I think the banks are kind of a, they're sort of um, capitalizing on that, right? People being stuck in a routine and being a one-stop shop and it just being easier to stick with what they know than to go maybe shop for a better deal. I, I yes, and you know I'm in actually a pretty similar situation, Noel. And the last time I had to go into the bank, I noticed something, and it was that the person I was speaking with it wasn't just a teller; it was you know a banker. You know, if you if anyone has ever yeah. had that experience where you walk into the a bank, yes. you go in the office or on a desk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And what I was attempting to do was open a new account with them because I've been an account holder for a while, and I wanted to open a new specialized checking account. And what happened was, rather than just having that conversation, opening that account, having that one transaction, they were attempting to get me to open a credit card with them. They were attempting to get me to change over a mortgage to them and do all these other things. And insurance. Yes. And it's something that I'm assuming is pretty common throughout the banking world. Yes. Selling. Yeah. The, uh, the concept is so common that there is a name for it in the industry. It's called cross-selling. It started out as an internal term, but now, for reasons that will will become abundantly clear in a few minutes, uh, it is a term that is in the public sphere. 
success for, okay, so Wells Fargo or Wachovia or, you know, five thirds bank or whatever, any bank that you use to, any bank that you walk into and have a checking account with and so on, uh, those are what's called retail banks. And for a long time, success at retail banks was measured by how successful the bankers or the even the um, the people on the phone were at cross-selling. And that's encouraging a customer, remember our Ginny or Jack with one checking account, to open up multiple other accounts. To be fair, this also happens if you have like a credit card with Bank of America or something. They're like, hey, make a savings account with us, right? Ever thought of buying a boat, etc. This idea is an invention credited to a single man. His name is Richard Kovacicic. He's a He was a Wells Fargo CEO. He's a guy who reputedly came up with the idea of cross-selling during his time as a CEO at Northwest Corporation. And we've got a, a, a thing from an interview he had in 1998, I think with Vanity Fair maybe, where uh, he, he summarizes his idea and it sounds normal now, but when he said it, it was pretty innovative. Yeah, uh, he really kind of changed the ling- the lingo of banking. Um, he started referring to branch employees or the idea of tellers. He called them salespeople. Uh, and consumers referred to them as customers rather than clients. And another one that I've heard that I, I have no doubt sprang from the same kind of shift was all of the various products that the bank can sell you you know like uh these credit cards are products all of these upsells or these uh cross sells you're talking about are referred to as products which i find very strange you know it's such a non-tangible thing uh, like uh, insurance being a product well and just from personal experience there are so many different kinds of products that these retail banks offer customers that seem extremely similar but there's like seven different kinds of checking account. There's like six different kinds of savings accounts and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's also that you can offer exactly what the customer needs uh, or the, uh, yeah, the customer, well, or not the client. Uh, it, I don't it, think it, it's it, for convenience. No, it's definitely not. You guys, it reminds me of when I got my car loan a handful of years ago. And like they made me, you know, this this offer of this interest rate. And it was like higher than I thought I, I should be offered because I have really good credit. And then I was going to walk away. They said, ho, 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 wait a minute now. We didn't know you. If you just told us you wanted it low, that we would have. I'm like, what? Like, right. just offer me the, the rate that I am due based on my score. Like, why are you trying to nickel and dime me? It's the same thing. And this was through a small community bank. But it was all like, you know, at the hands of these kind of sleazy car dealers. Not not to malign all car dealers. I'm sure many of you are great. Most of you even. But this one in particular, I felt very... Uh, kind of bent over a barrel a little bit. And I got him down to where I wanted to be, but I I felt kind of icky. The whole thing made me feel like I didn't want to do business with them anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the anecdote I always think of is like, imagine you walk into a fast food restaurant and you you order, I don't know, a cheeseburger. And they're like, all right, um, do you want poop on your cheeseburger? (laughs) Why? Why is that part of the conversation? Now I don't even want the burger. Jeez. Well, look, we got to get rid of all this poop somehow. And, you know, if you'll accept it on your burger, then, Mm. you know, we're getting rid of it in that way and you're getting what you want. We'll give you a loyalty card. How about an Amazon gift card? So, so that's, I mean, it's true. Now, you know, Matt, I had to... I I had to interject a little, like, I I think it could be advertised as convenience, this plethora of options. I'm using that word correctly. Yes, it is. Yeah. But I think what it's, I think what it's really meant to do is to make things inconvenient, to make it more difficult to find the right deal. The options are uh, arcane by design, you know, Mm -hmm. just like a life insurance or just like a, um, a lot of medical insurance or health insurance plans function that way. That's just a that's just a byproduct of private industry trying to maximize profit because a lot of people won't do the research. Wells Fargo was really really good at this. They were considered for some time, not an insignificant amount of time, the best cross seller in the retail banking game. But there was one problem. I know, just one. Uh, well, maybe well, you know why there's a problem, Ben. Uh, yes, why? Because imagine if you're the best 
seller at something. Mm-hmm. Now imagine your numbers are on a really nice trajectory upwards. Now, in order for you to maintain profitability and to increase year over year, like increase, you have to continue your track rate as the best seller, right? And then overachieve. Not to mention you want to get that set of steak knives, you know, uh, and, and coffee is for closers. So you, you, you want to get coffee. You don't want to get cut off. You need that stuff to sell. Right. It's the unsustainable, uh, unsustainable growth model, exponential growth model of capitalism year over year. And it applies to a lot of industries. So, I mean, that's what I was going to say. It was, I said there was one problem, but really there were millions of problems. You see, Wells Fargo and other banks were getting a lot of new accounts, getting a lot of new customers, uh, cross-selling. But these accounts, it turns out, were made up out of thin air. What are we talking about? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life. And you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Here's where it gets crazy. So let's say you don't have enough accounts. Well, well why don't you make them up? Uh, as early as 2011, so like nine years ago easily, outfits like the Wall Street Journal started noting this enormous internal pressure that Wells Fargo was exerting on everybody from the bank manager uh, level on down. Uh, they were supposed to measure up to these incredibly difficult sales quotas, these cross-selling quotas. These were cartoonishly implausible. Vanity Fair, in fact, noted that several of these goals were proven to be 
literally mathematically impossible to achieve. That's nuts. Like, even if you pitched everything to everyone, uh, every single customer got every single offer possible, and they all said yes, you still wouldn't meet the quota at some points. That's crazy. That's crazy yeah, talk. it really is. So, so imagine that you are, let's say, a bank manager or one of the main salespersons at, or, you know, bankers, or just salesperson at the bank. Imagine that you are aware that you are expected to sell X number of new accounts or open X number of new accounts. And you, you know, you see, like you literally physically see X minus 50 people a day, right? So you know that there's no way you're going to do that. There's no possible way. What do you do when you know your job is on the line? That number is directly related to how well you do. If you can get a raise at some point, if you can keep your job even. Um, Well, they started doing something that they weren't supposed to, and that's just opening new accounts that would count towards their quota, but wouldn't actually be tied to somebody who wanted an account. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Isn't that called fraud? Ding, ding, ding. Yes, it is indeed. There, there was a, there's a guy named uh, Dennis Hambeck who once upon a time was an employee at Wells Fargo. Now, this guy had extensive banking experience. It was his career. He, was, uh, he got into banking as a young cat uh, before all these massive consolidations, right? Before the financial whales start swallowing the other smaller financial fish. And well, whales are mammals, but you you get it. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, so he, he said this in a quote, just to hammer home that point um, that you made, Matt, about how intense this pressure was. He said, every morning we had a conference call with the managers. You were supposed to tell them how you were going to make your sales goal for the day. And if you didn't, you had to call them back in the afternoon, explain how you why you didn't make it and how you were going to fix it. It was really tense. Uh, So you can imagine that, you know, this is a little problematic if we're being... That sounds like a terrible place to work. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's almost as though it would drive you to do something untoward. (laughs) Exactly, Noel. It's it's like, think about this. Like, imagine you go to, uh, let's say, your, your local hardware store... And you're planning to buy a leaf blower and a screwdriver. Phillips, flathead, it doesn't matter for this example, but whatever, whichever one you like most. You're supposed to get them, you pay for them, and you're going to get them delivered. Later, you learn that the store did not just sell you a leaf blower and your favorite screwdriver. They also sold you a chainsaw, a router, two cases of blue Powerade, maybe some outdated lamp fixtures, and they threw in a lawn gnome, and they charged you in some way for all of it. And now imagine that delivery uh, took months or years, and you didn't find out about it until much later. This sounds silly, right? It's like an Arrested Development sitcom-esque thing, but that's pretty much what happened in this scenario, in real life. This happened to people at Wells Fargo. Yes, Ben. The uh, the the routers and Powerade example feels like it's out there, but we assure you it is not that different. So let's imagine one of those individual employees knowing they have to make this quota. So let's say they're talking to you on the phone as a customer and they convince you to take out a large loan. Let's say, let's say a $10,000 loan. They convince you to do that with the caveat that they're going to immediately repay you $5,000 or like pay off $5,000 of that loan. So really, you're only taking out a $5,000 loan, but on paper and according to the bank, they're going to get credit for taking out a $10,000 loan. And it's just a way for them to sustain themselves within the banking infrastructure. And that is most certainly an unsustainable thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I like the point you made about Ponzi scheme, Noel. That was occurring to me as well, because it very much is an unsustainable growth situation. Things start to crack In 2005, there's a customer named Bill Moore, and he goes to Dennis Hambeck, who we mentioned earlier, and he's he's befuddled and he's kind of indignant because 
he says, Hey, Dennis, uh, I see that I have a checking account and a savings account and they like date back to five years ago. I didn't ask for them and I don't want them. And so Hambick being a, a stand-up guy is on the case. Yeah, and it gets interesting. I mean, it really is doing some pretty serious serious sleuthing. He looks into it and discovers that the banker who opened those accounts, um, as as you typically need to have with opening an account, there was a driver's license number that was entered. As more WF zero 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 zero, which sounds like a really wonky like vanity license plate, if you ask me. Uh, and to boot, the date of issuance was January first, two thousand, which was a holiday when the uh, Department of Licensing of Washington State would have been closed. And Hambach is is not uh, letting this go. Um, he kind of is getting the brush off from management, so Hambach retires. Uh, I think he was just kind of fed up because he, you know, he he was the one that was looking into this, and he was the one that was finding some very fishy evidence, and he he wanted to avoid being fired for not uh, resorting to these kinds of uh, fraudulent uh, activities in order to make those unrealistic expectations. And and Ben, I wanted to mention, I mean, so it's not like management specifically instructed employees to do this to break the law but almost more or less implied that you know put up or shut up like you're out if you don't meet these expectations it's sort of like there was a big cheating scandal uh in uh georgia public schools years ago and it was because of unrealistic expectations for standardized tests and while you know obviously you can't condone the cheating you understand why some of these teachers might have done that because they felt pressured to meet these standards. But again, it's not like their superiors instructed them to cheat. Is that similar here, Ben? Individuals were making these decisions on their own. Yeah. They were heavily incentivized to make those decisions. I think, I think that's a great comparison, Noel, because the, uh, the the thing about it is it would be illegal for the banks and the executives to come out and say, look, make up these accounts and break the law. As a matter of fact, you know, we said Hambeck refused to play the game. It's interesting. In official company literature, this kind of unethical behavior is referred to literally as gaming. And so they can't, they won't ever compromise themselves by saying, you know, go break numerous financial laws. They'll just say, hey, why aren't you meeting these sales quotas? Uh, your job is in jeopardy. And usually that's all the incentive people need. But to your point, Ben, they almost laid out how to do it by having it in their company literature as a thing you should not do and even right. gave it a name. I think that's pretty interesting and and, uh, and teachable here. Yeah, yeah. It's just like the frozen grape concentrate from the days of prohibition that said, do not do the following steps because it will result in fermentation and make wine. Number one, you know, it's, it's, it's exactly like that. And to quote, uh, to quote Yates from the second coming, the center could not hold, right? Or to paraphrase him, this was unsustainable and very, very soon things would fall apart. We'll explore the fallout, which continues today after a word from our sponsors. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life. And you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. Oh, I- 
OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back talking more about banking. Because it's, uh, it's not as boring as it might seem, you guys. There's some pretty shady stuff going on uh, at Wells Fargo. Uh, their own analysis uh, that they did between 2011 and 2015 found that its employees had opened more than 1.5 million deposit accounts and more than 565,000 credit card accounts that may or may not have actually been real. Uh, but but then we, we can't forget, and this is always the point that I, but when, when I thought back on the story, these weren't like made up identities. These were like duplicate accounts of real people. What did they, how did they think this was, they were going to get away with this for very long? It just seems like such a desperate move, which clearly it was. It feels like one of those things that you get away with until you can't. And you, you sustain what you've got and what it, how everything is going until it all falls apart. It's building that house of cards situation where you know at some point the bill comes due, but it's not going to be today or tomorrow probably. It's like the boiler room. You remember that film? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I just like the boiler room. I don't know why I'm mentioning that. But, uh, but you're right. So some customers... Obviously, we're going to find out about this because some of those accounts opened in their names had fees. So they would get, uh, they would, they would be asked to pay these fees on accounts that, as far as they knew, did not exist. Some customers even had collections agencies calling them due to these unpaid fees because, again, they didn't know that the accounts existed. They weren't getting notified of the fees even. The first time they would find out about one of these fraudulent accounts is when they were getting shaken down by a collections agency. So just imagine what that does to your credit as well. This has lasting financial uh, consequence for people. Totally. And I mean, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm just guessing here that Wells Fargo uh, employees were banking on the fact that, you know, a lot of these fees are little nickel and dime fees here and there that you might not even notice. You know, I certainly don't scan through my bank ledger and try to pick, you know, pick out every single little fee or whatever. I mean, you know, I definitely glance at it from time to time, but I don't go through it with like a fine tooth comb. And it's such a negligible amount. It's not like you take a big hit to your bank account and all of a sudden think something's up, right? You know what I'm going to do immediately following this episode? Go through that bank account. Yep, fine to come, baby. <laughs> a lot of people. Uh, while you're there, go ahead and check, uh, just in general, fellow listeners, go ahead and check your uh, cell phone bill. See what kind of service charges have just popped up over time. And definitely, I'll say it, I might get in trouble for this, but definitely keep an eye on Comcast. 
They oh. are, you know, they're they're uh, voted uh, again number one most hated company in the U.S. Uh, that's not my opinion. That's a fact. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Just whoever your ISP is, really, it doesn't matter. Just check mm-hmm. it. Check all those bills. Keep an eye on them. Uh, because those plans change, right? They're meant to change in ways that you might not be aware of unless you are paying mindful attention. So this gaming, as they called it, this unethical behavior was so ubiquitous that it even created related kind of terms, slang terms internally. There's one called pinning, and that meant assigning customers pin numbers, without their knowledge. That's incredibly disturbing because as you know, a pin number is supposed to be your, it's, it's like, it's sacrosanct. It's the, uh, it's similar to a bank's version of your social security number. No one else is supposed to know it, but if someone makes up a pin number that you do not know, that means they can impersonate you on a Wells Fargo computer and then boom, boom, boom. They can enroll you in all all sorts of quote unquote products without your knowledge. So boom, now you've got auto insurance. Boom, now you got a car loan. Boom, now you got a credit card. Uh, and this was nuts because the most mystifying thing about this still is not even how widespread it is. Uh, to me, it's how blatant it was. Uh, the LA City's attorney office found that there were 193,000 non-employee accounts opened between 2011 and 2015. And get this, the only email name listed for them was wellsfargo.com. This is just at wellsfargo.com. Wow. Wow. It's not like... It's not like, even... Try, not even trying, you know, it's like not even, not even doing like uh, level one improv. I bet we could make, I bet we could make like right now, we could make as many fake names as we wanted. You know, Tad Dorgensen, that's not a real name. That, that's still better than wellsfargo.com. Or yeah, even if you just put like C-U-S-T as in customer and then put a string of like, you know, numbers and letters or something. It's that easy. Jeez. But that takes so, time. And I guess you had to make so many so quickly. It's yeah. just what they did. Ugh. Going to that point of desperation, you know. And on September 8th, 2016, Wells Fargo did settle with some authorities. They paid $185 million to three institutions, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, which is a thing, and the city and county of Los Angeles. They wanted to settle the charges of uh, massive fraud. As part of this agreement, they were able to uh, avoid admitting that they had done anything wrong. Now, that sounds familiar. Uh, that sounds pretty dang familiar. You know, to, to be fair, they absolutely had plausible deniability. The only thing they were guilty of was having high standards. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah, as you can tell, in a universe to the left of this, the four of us are, are uh, lawyers. <laughs> it's, it's true. I think we would be good in a courtroom. So it's weird because they all they did they did do one other thing aside from pay one hundred eighty five million dollars. They fired uh, they fired around a, a thousand employees, maybe a little more, and these were mostly juniors. They were fired for gaming. If you think about it. These were sacrificial goats, just sort of meant to uh, be a propitiation. They were, they were meant to appease the gods of regulation. And we know what you're all thinking, you know what everybody is thinking. Hey, $185 million is, um, is a big deal to me, but isn't that chump change for such a huge bank? The answer is yes. It was about 3%, right? 3%. Of second quarter profits of that year. So there are four quarters. One of those quarters had to shave off 3% in order for them to be okay. That's crazy. It's also uh, way less than uh, some executives have made over the past five years. Uh, um, gentlemen, I propose that we uh, join our forces and start a bank. What do you say? <laughs> Get out of this nope. podcasting rat race and start ourselves up a bank. Surely it's do easy. It. No, you won't do it? I won't do it. Right. My, well, my soul shall not allow, boys. 
That's fair. I, I respect that. Um, so yeah, but I, you know, I kind of started a bank. <gasps> yeah, I, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah the Ben Bank, the Ben Bank right. deals yeah. exclusively in Ben Bucks, yeah. unencumbered by souls. Yeah, <laughs> also, also true. Uh, but you know, so you then you understand Ben as as the uh, the head of the, the the Ben Bank that this is all just the cost of doing business, my guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to say, um, in case this plays in court later, uh, technically I am not on the executive board. I am a consultant. So mm-hmm. nice try. For the, for, for the record, that was me lapsing into my douchebag executive voice when I said my guy there. I just, <laughs> I, just I, had to, I had to walk that one back a little bit. <laughs> I like it when people say my guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just, you know, it has to be tongue slightly in cheek. Uh, but yeah, man, seriously, I mean, this is, it was a, a slap on the wrist is even putting it uh, strongly, you know? Right. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean. It's like a thump we, on the ear, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A, a finger wag and a strong yeah. sentence using your full name. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's, that, that's the issue with it. Because this was, I mean, this literally is a cost of doing business. They didn't admit wrongdoing. They had plausible deniability. In short, this bank thought they got away with it until, that is, employees like Hambeck started coming forward. And there's a, there was a list of employees who complained internally uh, because like any large institution, there are channels uh, through which you're supposed to uh, send your complaints. The list of employees who were skeezed out by this and complained, uh, it stretches back over 10 years. People knew what was up, you know, like, again, we're, it might sound like we are uh, vilifying Wells Fargo, but we're talking about the crimes of an institution, really. We're not talking about any of the employees in the banking industry. We're not talking about any of the employees in Wells Fargo specifically, Right. These these people are not the ones who said make these impossible sales quotas. Yeah. So as of this year, uh, 2020, um, Wells Fargo has agreed to three billion um, in settlements uh, for criminal charges and a civil action that's uh, stemming from its widespread mistreatment of its customers um, in its community bank over a 14 year period. Uh, court papers show that prosecutors described the insane environment that Ben, I mean, honestly, I was responding to when you first said at the top of the show, you know, checking in, explain to me why you didn't make it, you know, justify your, your actions every single day. I mean, sure, accountability is one thing, but this was very much like a uh, you described it, Ben, in your notes as a pressure cooker environment that was kind of created. Just absolutely toxic work environment. Right. So to, to very low level. Level employees. Yeah, absolutely. This is, um, this is, I, I, I don't know. We've got a lot of people in the audience who've worked in sales jobs or something with commission. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have ever done that. I, I, I have not, but it, it feels like a, a, a very demanding situation to be put in, even when there's, you know, absolutely no unethical behavior. Uh, m- most commission sales do not require unethical behavior, but like, think about the pressure. The next time you're in a brick or mortar store, think about the pressure uh, an employee is under when they ask you those series of questions at a purchase. Like, have you ever bought something and you know, you're just buying one thing. You need like maybe a cable somewhere or uh, you're buying some pants or, you know, whatever you want to buy. And then the cashier starts asking you a series of questions like, what's your phone number? You want to sign up for our credit card? You want to sign up for a rewards card and so on? Yeah, I, I always say I'm good. Like when they ask for my phone number or email, no, I don't ever want anyone to have that because there's no reason for it they act like it's saying oh so we can better serve you next time or have you in my database and know what you like i don't know why anyone would ever give out their information uh, at a at a brick and mortar store like that because you can you can get special perks guys right and and now we're family once they have all my info Look, just we, give me a card and punch a hole in it when I buy a thing, and then give me a free thing when I've punched enough holes in it. You know, I'm old school like that. I'm fine with that model. <laughs> yeah. Well, so so imagine that you are, again, we keep trying to put ourselves in the position of the lower level employees at, at you know, in an institution like this, when you, and, and, like, maybe you have experienced a 
maybe a quarterly meeting or a meeting with your company where everybody gets together and they talk about the state of the company and what's going on and everything, you know, is going up or down or for this reason or for that other reason, things are going great or terribly. And imagine you're in one of those meetings and you know that you, your, your bank, uh, your local chain of the bank and your manager, you guys didn't meet up to the standards, but you guys did everything right and you tried as hard as you could and you made some pretty good numbers, but they're not quite what they were looking for. They're not really even close actually, but again, you did a great job. Then over this meeting, in this call, or however it goes, some other branch, uh, you know, let's say dozens of miles away, for some reason they exceeded this goal that was way out of reach. And on this call, your boss's boss's boss on this call says, man, you guys just, just killed it. You did a great job. You guys are just rocking these numbers, man. We're so proud of y'all. You're getting bonuses. You're getting this, you're getting that. Everybody on this call needs to look up to the, to this particular group, to this bank and do what they did. And, you know, imagine feeling that. Yeah. And those, those people who were uh, meeting these increasingly difficult sales goals, uh, they were the minority uh, for a while, you know, and fairly often, and they often had to achieve these things through unethical or illegal means. So that's where we are. You know, as you said, Noel, that's February of 2020, just a few months ago. What lessons, uh, were learned from this retail bank conspiracy? Again, not a theory. It's a conspiracy. Here's the thing. Part of that 2020 deal with that $3 billion price tag includes a deferred prosecution agreement. That's that's an agreement, a pact that could, uh, the positive way to say it is that the bank could get further criminal or civil charges if it engages in new criminal activity. So basically pay us $3 billion, no criminal charges, but you're in trouble because you got caught. And you'll be in trouble if you get caught again, okay? So trouble is somewhere in this equation, my guy. Smarten up. Mm, yeah, we got our eye on you. Um, yeah, it's true. Uh, it's, wow. I, I just, I can't believe that uh, they're still around. Because I guess, you know, they're one of those too big to fail organizations, right? So it's like, I don't know how you get away with this and how people d- didn't do as you said, man, and just pull all their money out. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and uh, even though this is ongoing, it feels even to me kind of like a distant memory. Uh, I just feel like the attention span for stuff like this uh, for consumers is often pretty short. And if it doesn't actually affect me personally, then why should I do anything about it? Why should I, you know, go to that inconvenience of pulling all my money out and starting over? You know, even though it's not that big a deal to start a new bank account, but it's slightly inconvenient, isn't it? (laughs) Right. And, you know, there are, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I will go to extraordinary lengths to avoid any slight inconvenience. I, like uh, a lot of people out there, would like to play life on easy mode. It barely ever happens, but uh, it's, it's a nice thought. Uh, you're right. Uh, there was a run on the bank, uh, but it wasn't necessary. I mean, there was a lot of terrible PR fallout from this, uh, and they went into overdrive on the Bernays front, but a lot of investors uh, reacted because, remember, they're, they're kind of like customers at a bank, but more important. You know, <laughs> they're the better customers. So the bank also, Wells Fargo also set up uh, a $500 million fund to compensate the investors who took a hit. Uh, or uh, what do investors say? Who took a bath when mm. Wells Fargo didn't tell them uh, that the banking business they had was not as strong as all those fake accounts made it seem. But, asterisk, that $500 million is included in that $3 billion settlement total. So it's not like they paid $3 billion and then $500 million again. And this leads us to the conclusion, as it is. You know, to, to your point, uh, to your point, Noel, obviously Wells Fargo is still around. It survived the Great Recession. It assures the public, for its part, and investors that uh, this will not happen again. This was, uh, you know, somewhere between a grave miscommunication in the in the command chain or a few bad actors 
But the bank itself, and this is true, the bank itself never condoned this activity. Yeah, it is true. They just, uh, they forced it to happen (laughs) without realizing it, let's say. Uh, But here's the deal. It's not as though Wells Fargo is acting alone. We've all talked about before the Wachovia dealings and the problems that they had before they were absorbed by, uh, or I guess bought out and absorbed by Wells Fargo. The problems with other major banking institutions, including very similarly, a little regional bank from Ohio called Fifth Third. You may have heard of this. You may have seen one of their branches. They've got them all over the nation. There are thousands of them. And uh, they have roughly $150 billion in assets. And guess what? They're accused of the same thing, pretty much the same thing. Yeah, I didn't know anything about that when I actually had my mortgage through Fifth Thirds back when I owned a house uh, in Athens years ago. Um, that's fascinating. Yeah, that, that's that's news to me. Yep. Uh They've been accused of, as you said, Matt, the same thing. Right now, the litigation is ongoing. Uh, so we can come back to this story with an update to pay on how it all shakes out. And at this point, fellow conspiracy realists, we pass the torch to you because there is a dilemma here. It's a big problem. It's something we're thinking about. And it's something that maybe doesn't have a satisfactory answer yet. Retail banks are... It's an understatement to say they're a huge part of the economy. It's an understatement to say they are uh, irretrievably embedded in our financial lives. I mean, we've had people write in before uh, talking about, you know, from our cashless society episode, just how difficult it is to live without some kind of bank account. You know what I mean? And still be in the real world system. So, is a multi-billion dollar fine punishment enough? Are the banks, like you said, Noel, are they truly too big to fail, even when they're caught red-handed cheating? And, you know, to that point uh, that I think you had been making earlier too, Matt, what what would the appropriate punishment be if this is not appropriate? Uh, you know, I'll tell you. Yes, Ben, uh, you remember, you guys remember an episode we made uh, quite a while back where we interviewed Robert Mazur? Yes, the the infiltrator. The infiltrator, the guy who helped bring down an international bank because they were caught money laundering for cartels. So I, I think, I think there is a world in which banks can be brought down. I don't think this is going to be it, right? Um, You know, for reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but i i guess we we have ourselves experienced in uh you know just through our interview and our connection with robert that it is possible for a bank caught red-handed to be brought down i bet it requires such a burden of proof the way he traced the money and followed the money and was like literally you know running secret ops within the bank you know i mean it was like it you can't it's it takes a lot a lot a lot a lot it would seem and and it requires absolute proof of knowing wrongdoing because the thing here is again you really they could easily argue well yeah there's no law against having aggressive sales goals you know so Mm -hmm. yeah i mean these are these are great points, and, and I love that you're bringing up. Uh, I love you're bringing up that earlier case, Matt, because I, you know, I was thinking when we were talking about doing this episode. Uh, I was thinking, what's what's going to happen? People are listening to this, and they they hear a Wells Fargo ad <laughs> in our in our show. Um, you know, this is not none of what we have uh, examined today is speculation, right? I think we're very clear when we're saying, well, this is our opinion, right? You know, one or all three of us, all four of us, uh, one of our opinions. Uh, but the, these are simply the facts. The This is crazy. This did happen. And really, it, it is a, a matter of your own personal judgment. What do you think the punishment should have been? Uh, do you think this was too much? Do you think it wasn't enough? What do you think will happen in the future? 
know, we want to hear from you. You're the most important part of this show. That remains true today as it did from our first YouTube video. So let us know. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter, not just as a show or an institution, dare I say, but as individuals. That's right. If you wish to follow my core time activities, you can do so uh, on Instagram, where I am at How Now Noel Brown. Uh, I've been posting a lot of Dutch oven cooking videos, uh, which may or may not interest you. I made uh, my very first lamb Rogan Josh last night with a big old lamb shoulder that I slow cooked on the bone in this delicious Indian gravy for about five hours, and I show like the progression of it uh, becoming delicious and falling off the bone. It was a very successful experiment. I'm really excited about that Dutch oven. That's making me very, very hungry. Oh, my goodness. Time for dinner. <laughs> I think this, Matt, is this the part where, is this an episode where you talk about your Instagram or is this an episode where uh, where, where you keep keep the audience in the dark, as dark as your awesome recording spot again? Oh yeah, you can you can follow me. Uh, there are some great updated pictures of my new haircut. Uh, just search for Richard Blaze on Instagram. You'll find me. Uh, you'll see it. Uh, do you cut your own out. hair? You cut your own hair, Matt, or is that you let your your lovely wife do it? I or perhaps your young son. I haven't touched my hair with shears or any other cutting implement since uh, this whole thing began. So mainly just tearing it out in in, in madness. Is that what's yeah. up? Yeah. It's all manual. Mine's, mine's starting to fall out in clumps. You know, I just, I don't know. I think I'm going to emerge from this with a, with a receding hairline. I actually, uh, I'm actually getting kind of Old Testament now with not shaving the beard or cutting my hair. But what I've been trying to do to have some regularity during the day is to, uh, is to put on clothes when I talk to you guys and turn on lights uh, so I'm not just a voice of glowing eyes in the dark. Uh, but if you want to check out my quarantine beard on Instagram, you're more than welcome to follow me at Ben Bullen on Instagram at Ben Bullen HSW on Twitter, wherein I investigate any number of strange, unusual things and keep you updated on the useless skills I am honing during quarantine. I don't know if I mentioned it to you guys on air, but now I can name all 118 uh, elements on the periodic table and it does not matter. Let me just assure you, no one else bothered doing that. It does not affect your life in any way whatsoever. Uh, I think it enriches your life, Ben. And I'm, uh, I say kudos to you for that. Thank you. Thank you. If there was an element called thank you, Nam, which I know there's not now. You know what I did, you guys? This is my, mm. my biggest claim to fame during this time. I'm not going to say which ones, but I definitely did a whole day of recordings and Zoom calls wearing no pants. Um, uh, just wait putting a that out there. Hmm? Wait a second. No, I'm pantsed today. Pantsed. Oh, okay, all just, right. Yeah. But it was a... Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say if it was this show or not. I do other shows, but I definitely had some pretty high-level uh, executive producer-type Zoom calls wearing no pants, and no one was the wiser. It felt like it gave me the upper hand, honestly. <laughs> you got to stay seated. You know what I mean? Unless exactly. at the very end you want to pull one of those moves. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. Wow. I'm wearing pants. It's wow. fine. Yeah, he is. Uh, I can verify. Yeah. But so, uh, so, so what if someone has something to tell us. What if some what if you are listening you have something to share with your fellow audience members but you hate social media? What then? You can give us a call. Our number is 1833STDWYTK. We've been going through a ton of messages lately. Please call us. We are waiting to hear from you. Uh we <laughs> we may you know, we may respond with a call in kind, or we might just, you know, listen and then talk about it here. We've got a huge doc now running. Uh, it's great. So please continue to write to us. Give us your thoughts on this episode, any other episode, a future one, or just things you want to chat about while you're hanging out in quarantine while we do the same. Please do give us a call, one eight three three stdwytk and uh, additionally, for longtime listeners, uh, we have a show called Strange News Daily that will be moving onto this feed. So you'll be hearing something from us uh, Monday through Friday. 
until the lights go out, until Wells Fargo disappears as for this episode, uh, you'll have to get in line behind Nestle. Oh, and we're really excited about that show. It's going to be kind of like this one where you're going to get lots and lots of researched information packed into a shorter episode hosted by our very own Ben Bolin. We think you're going to love it. So uh, let us know what you think about that show as well as you're calling in and writing to us and talking to us on Twitter. Most importantly, it's produced by uh, Dylan Fagan, which was a, a big get for us. Uh, so we're, you know, like everybody else, we're working live. We're rolling with the punches. But there's one thing that will never, ever change. That is this. If you hate phones, if you hate social media, you can always contact us about any old thing 24-7 at our good old-fashioned email address where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free at 